Um, well, let's. Uh, okay, have we got the clue card there, uh, Mon? You can't uh, see it. I can't. Sorry, you know, I'm just I'm late back into the studio. That's right. I was so, making so, my breakfast. The things <laughs> that the things that happen on a Monday morning. I know. What, what what can I say? But hey, check out how black my strawberries are. I like the blackest strawberries you've ever seen. Those are very black strawberries. Why are you eating black strawberries? Well, I was I saw them in the shop and I thought I have to know what that tastes like. I've never eaten a. They black look like they've before. been dead for a very long time. No, no, no. They're super fresh, super fresh. They're not dead. They're just like really, really dark, dark strawberries. Okay, this is about to get super easy. We are up to clue one, two, three, four. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna be so easy. It's gonna give it away. It's gonna give it away so bad. Clue number four. Who am I? I mistreated my maidservant. Mm. I actually cut it short. I was going to give the main servant's name, but then I realised I'll keep this hard. Let's keep the main servant's name out of the story. So maybe it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. But give us a call if you know the answer. One eight hundred five seven is our number. Lyle has the answer correct. Wow, Kelvin got it before Lyle. Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Two prizes to Kelvin. <laughs> nah, no prizes. People in the studio, studio don't get prizes, but <laughs> give us a call no, if you know the answer. One eight hundred Faith FM is that number. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Make sure you boys don't say the answer. Now that you both know who it is, you can text your answer zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and we will send you the prize if you can tell me who that is. But that's right. We know how to brag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we even had a song about this earlier on in the show. That was a, that was a clue all of its own. Did we? We did. Oh, I totally. <laughs> we did. That the, the producer uh, obviously knew what the answer was, and uh, and so Shell threw in a song about this particular individual. Sneaky, sneaky. So if you think back through the show and to the songs that we have been listening to, you will find uh, the answer to this particular clue. In fact, it was a song about this individual. It's oh. all about this individual. Oh. Anyway, where are we going? We're going to our Bible study. Let's get into our Bible study of the day and let's go to Second Chronicles Chapter 32, verse 25. It's a rather chronic story we're going to have this morning. Uh, See what happens on a Monday morning. Uh, Just wonderful, isn't it? Okay, 2 Chronicles, chapter 32. Mon, can you read for us verse 25, please? I sure can. But Hezekiah did not respond appropriately to the kindness shown him, and he became proud. So the Lord's anger came against him and against Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so we've got the story here of Hezekiah. And the Bible says he did not respond appropriately. Uh, let's, let's give a bit of background to this particular story. Hezekiah had been ill. Okay. Very, very ill. And he was worried for his life. He was that ill. And so God sent the prophet Isaiah to come and visit him. That was kind of nice. It's nice to have visitors. Yeah. It'd be particularly nice to have the uh, prophet of God to come and visit you while you are ill. Yeah. And, of course, he is uh, asking for healing. He wants to be healed of his illness. And the prophet Isaiah comes, and he's feeling all warm and fuzzy inside, like, yeah, I've got a great visitor here. The prophet has arrived. Uh, Let's have a nice conversation together. And guess what Isaiah says? What? You will not live. You will die. Put your house in order. Write out your will. You're going to die. Well, at least you got a heads up. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. Yep. Okay, so Hezekiah, as you can imagine, he wasn't ready to die. He's like, no, I've got a lot of life left in me. I've got a lot of good things to do. I've been doing a lot of good things here in this kingdom. I've been bringing revival to this kingdom. This kingdom has been turned around. You know, it can't afford to be without me. 
And so Isaiah leaves, and the Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and cried and prayed, and God changed his mind. Okay. And so um, Isaiah comes back in. Um, Isaiah hadn't even left the, the palace grounds, and Isaiah comes back in and says, God has heard your prayer, and he has added 15 years to your life. Okay, well. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, as a sign that God has done this, uh, the sundial is going to go backwards by 10 degrees, which is a clue quiz that we had, a clue, one of the clues that we had for one of our quizzes last week uh, for the number 10, and what number am I? Um, so it goes backwards by 10 degrees. So 10 degrees somehow equals 15 years? Or was it just a sign? No, it was just a sign. Okay. So okay. my question is this. Isn't kind of just getting better from being sick a pretty clear sign that God has answered your prayer? Yeah. So why did God do this? Kelvin. I find what's even more intriguing that we can change the mind of God. Okay. That's yeah. a very good point. An omnipotent, om- omnipresent, omniscient God... He listens and changes according to us. Okay. That is a fascinating thought. It's a very valid thought, yeah. And, and, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into that in just a moment. Um, but I want to go back to this question of why did, why did he have to have this sign that God had healed him? Why, why, isn't being healed a pretty clear sign that God has heard your prayer and changed his mind? Maybe, maybe, maybe he was like, "Oh, you know, just because I got rid of the flu, or whatever it was that he had, doesn't mean I'm not going to live any longer." Maybe he would have been worried every day that he was actually going to drop dead. I don't know. What I don't know. You tell me. Well, here's a, here's some thoughts that go through my mind. Let's think about this for a moment. Um, let's say that Hezekiah gets sick, and Hezekiah is told by the prophet he's going to die, and then God changes his mind, and uh, Hezekiah gets well. Uh, and then Hezekiah stands up and says, God healed me. What are a lot of people around the world going to say when they hear that story? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're just going to be like, well, you just you got, got better. Over it. Yeah, yeah. The prophet was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is a false prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, be very, it would be prima facie evidence that Isaiah was a false prophet and a failure right there at that particular point. Yep, you need something to validate your statement. That's right. Now, when God decides to give a sign, does God go small? No. Uh, let's think about let's think about this for a moment. Um, the logistics of pulling this one off. God does not go small. God goes big. He spins the he you know he takes the earth which is spinning on its axis. He stops it from rotating, spins it in reverse, stops it again, and then spins it forward again. You know, that is a pretty impressive act by God. When we think about all of God's big acts that there are in the Bible, I kind of had to have a question, you know, is there one that is bigger than this? Well, I kind of wonder whether or not Hezekiah could grasp the understanding of what God actually had to do to make the sundial go back. Okay, but we can. We can now with like modern science. But even still, even in those days, Make you would have to backwards. you would have to know that you know we, we might we might see it as being a lot bigger than what they did. But you'd have to know this was something pretty big. Yeah. Okay. So there's the first thing. The second thing is that who did the whole world worship in those days? Baal. And Baal was what kind of god? 
sun god. Oh. He was a sun god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like a sun god. Going. All right. So when God spins the earth backwards, the sun goes backwards in the sky. Uh, and you know the message goes because everybody's looking at it like what 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 is the sun god doing because you know the sun you know that it was called Baal in, in Phoenicia but you know all around the world he had lots and lots and lots of different names and the sun was worshipped you know the whole world over there was no part of the world where the sun was not worshipped and so when the sun goes backwards there's going to be a lot of people going ah what what just happened there. Why is our God doing this? And then the story is going to go out that this event took place because of Israel's God, Mm. Judah's God. What does that say about Judah's God? It's way more powerful than any sun god. Yes. Okay, so if you're going to worship the sun, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I worship a God who can get that thing and move it around in the sky. It's a very impressive um, statement by God. Yes, not only is it a very impressive statement by God, but it's also a um, it's a statement that is going to reverberate around the entire globe and give opportunity for God's message to go everywhere. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And as it turns out, the story does go everywhere. There are lots of people who are observing the sky. They have seen eclipses before. They have, you know, seen the movement of the stars and the moon, and they have tracked them and recorded them in the past, but they have never, ever, ever seen this before. They have never recorded anything like this ever before. And so they start looking for answers, and as they begin to look for answers, of course, the story is going to come out of Judah that the God of Judah has done this. And what kind of a message is that going to give of the God of Judah? It's just more powerful than the rest of them. Yeah, you would think, you would think that uh, if you were a, you know, a nation somewhere, and you've got to understand the mindset of nations in those days. They're always looking to have their God as being the most powerful God because if their God was more powerful, then they could conquer other nations, they could become an empire. And if they were conquered by another nation, that meant that the other nation's God was more powerful than their God. So they're always looking for a powerful God. And suddenly they find one that has this kind of power and is kind of you know the God of a bit of a micro-nation. You know, Judah was a very, very small nation, uh, particularly in those days. It was, it was a tiny nation. And it's like, what? Wait, wait a minute. Who is this God? And if you were part of, you know, an empire at that particular time or a nation that was aspiring to be an empire, you would want more information, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Kelvin, what does uh, what what nation was kind of rising in the background at this particular time? Ah, you can see the wheels spinning over there. I believe the Assyrians were ruling at this particular time, but there was a nation that was coming along that was about to throw off Assyrian power, and they had a king by the name of Merodach Baladan. And I'm just give some more clues out here. I was going to say Egyptian, but wasn't Merodach wasn't. Uh, no, not an Egyptian, Egyptian name. Ah, this is the rise of the early rise of the Babylonians. And here's basically what you've got. You've got the Babylonians, right? They rule over a very impressive nation with a very impressive city, but they're ruled over by the Assyrians, and they want to throw the Assyrians off. And so they're looking for power to do so, and they hear about a god that has this kind of power, they suddenly want to find out about this god. The Assyrians, they're not so keen because it's like, well, we already rule the world. Why would we worry? You know, okay, that was pretty impressive, but 
hey, the fact that we rule the world is hard evidence that our gods are the most powerful. The Babylonians are like, we need some help. We need some powerful gods on our side. And so the Bible says that they send representatives uh, to, and let's go over to Isaiah chapter 38. Let's see what we can find over here. Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah 38. And, uh, where is it here? Okay, starting in verse 1, you've got in those days Isaiah was sick to death. And uh, Isaiah came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, or you shall you shall die and not live. And we have the whole story down through there. Okay, let's go down to chapter 39. Um, Kelvin, have you got Isaiah 39 for us there? Would chapter you like 39? To start, start, re- start reading for us in verse 1. At that time, Meredach Baladon, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Okay, so he's sending presents and a gift. So when another king, a very, very powerful king, sends presents and a gift to a king of a micro-nation, there's something going on here, isn't there? Yes, yeah, like a sign of respect, a bit of... He's, he, is, he is oiling the wheels, yeah. greasing the wheels of diplomacy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wants to establish some kind of a connection here. Okay, uh, keep reading for us there, Kelvin. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Okay, so you've got a major world power here, a major world nation, a rising superpower. This would be the equivalent of China today. Okay, so think about China. China is a rising world superpower. America is the superpower, but China is the rising world superpower. And China obviously wants to dominate the world, uh, and they have aspirations to do so. And let's say that you are the ruler of a very small, let's think of a micronation somewhere, maybe the Hutt River province in Western Australia. (laughs) Yep. Let's pick on the Western Australians this Mm -hmm. morning. And you suddenly get ambassadors from China and a gift and some foreign aid starts coming your way. Um, That would make you feel pretty good, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now... This foreign aid, this gift, and these ambassadors are coming to the nation of Judah. Let's think about this. They're coming to the nation of Judah because of the healing of Hezekiah and the evidence of uh, Hezekiah's healing in that the sun went backwards. All right, so that's why it is happening. And so when they arrive, what did the Babylonian ambassadors want to find out about. They want to find out where they got this power from and about this God. They want to find mm. out about Yahweh. How can they tap into this power? That's right. They want to get to know Yahweh. Okay, so how often have you had somebody who has come and knocked on your door and said, can you please tell me about Jesus? Like never. It's like a dream, isn't it? It is. We it use is. the ones knocking on other people's doors, offering to tell them about Jesus. As That's right. People coming and asking about Jesus. Yeah, evangelists dream about this scenario. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Someone knocks on your door and says, I want you to tell me about Jesus. Well, this is what has happened here. They have knocked on Hezekiah's door and they've said, please tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Yahweh. Tell me about your God. And in verse 2, 
What does Hezekiah do? We read it there just a moment ago. He shows them the glory of his kingdom. Okay. Now, why do you the think that Hezekiah... It shows them, yeah, in his treasure house and mm-hmm. his royal treasury, all that. Why, why do you think he does that? Showing off. Why Boasting. Is it, yeah, why, why yeah. is he showing off? I want you to think He's about... an idiot. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, he is a human being. It says there he showed all the house of his armour. So that was he was quite proud of how strong he was as a nation. Rather than saying about how strong he was in God or how powerful God was in him, he was trying to boast in himself about how good he was and his nation was. And how wealthy he was and how wealthy. much money yep. he had. Absolutely. You know what I see taking place here? Have you ever noticed how um, in Australia we love to tell jokes about Americans? Mm-hmm. And in New Zealand, they love to tell jokes about uh, Australians. Mm-hmm. It's it's a insecurity flinch. We know that we are a lesser nation, and so we like to try and build ourselves up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of our insecurity, and so here he's got you know he's got ambassadors from the equivalent of China. Yeah that have turned up at his insignificant nation and suddenly he's feeling a little bit insecure. So he's going to show them all of his treasure and all of his um, armor because like, yeah, yeah, guys, I know you think that we're like a nothing kind of nation in the world. We're not actually a nothing nation. There's, we, we, we got a bit of punch here as well, you know, and this is what's happening. What is he missing out on the opportunity to do? To tell these people about the one true God. The whole okay. prime reason of them coming. Yeah. He didn't answer their question. All right, so let's say, let's say that we could um, rewind history for a moment. Let's think about this. Let's, let's say we rewind history. The ambassadors come from Babylon and they are converted and take the knowledge of God back to Babylon. How does that change the future of Israel or the future of the world, do you think? Incredible, because Babylon ends up becoming a world empire, strongest, richest world empire that ever there was. Yes. And, um, well, in real history, they ended up capturing Jerusalem. Jerusalem and taking them, you know, taking the boys over to their party and so forth. But if they had had the knowledge of the one true God, they could have become allies and they could have, the whole world religion could have been worshipped with the one true God. The, okay. the, the landscape of our history and where we even are now would have been drastically different. Drastically, drastically different yep. because you, you could, well, you, if, if, if they had been converted and if they had taken that knowledge back to Babylon and Babylon had been converted, then, you know, the next world superpower would have been a God worshipping superpower. Millions of lives would have been saved. The knowledge of God would have just gone massively around the world. Um, it's interesting to contrast this story with Esther's story because last week we were talking about Esther and we're saying, can you imagine if she hadn't stood up and hadn't gone and vouched for the Jews, what could have happened? And here we have exactly that. We have a guy who didn't stand up for his God and look at what happened. Okay, so let's talk about what did happen then. Uh, this is what did happen. The ambassadors went back to Babylon and they were like, you know what? Note to self, we know where there is a lot of treasure. And one day, we're going to go back and get it. And one day, they did. Anyway, we've got uh, Josh Garrels with A Pilot Me. Listen to Faith FM.
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Josh Garrels with Pilot Me. You listen to Faith FM. You got another clue for the quiz there, Mon? Yes, indeed I do. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, okay, so we just learned that this person was wrong side of the card. a liar who died in Hebron at the age of 127. Who who uh, God told her husband to listen to whatever she said to him. We learned that that she mistreated her maidservant. Next clue is her maidservant was Hagar. Oh, okay. All right. one eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number if you know the answer to that clue. Let's get back to our Bible study and let's read uh let me see here, Isaiah chapter thirty nine. Kelvin, could you read for us verse three and four, please? Then came Isaiah the prophet unto the king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they came thee unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed unto them. Okay, so he's he's, he's pretty happy about himself, isn't he? He's like, yeah. you know what, Isaiah? I, I showed them everything. The best of This the was best. amazing. They've you should it. have been here. You yeah. missed out on it. Yeah, okay. Okay, Mon, um, you got verse 5 and 6 there for us? Verse 5 and 6 says, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Wow. That's uh, pretty full on. Definitely full on. They're going to take everything. That's right. And, of course, that's exactly what did, did take place. We've, uh, we've already talked about that. And so, you know, um, okay, so here's a, here's a question. We now have to take this Bible study and we have to apply it to our lives because one thing to sit back and to learn from the experiences of Hezekiah and say, well, Hezekiah was such a fool. Can you imagine that he did that back then? What a, what a ridiculous thing to do, you know, etc., etc. But we actually need to make this practical to ourselves, don't we? So the question that comes to mind is this. When somebody comes to your home, when somebody visits your home, what do they see? When somebody leaves your home and goes back to their home, what do they talk about? What do they take with them? Mm-hmm. Because, Kelvin, you and I are guys, right? We're, we're blokes. Yep. We have toys. We we're, have lots of toys. We have lots of toys. Expensive ones. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we don't tell our hit. wives about that. Yes, we do. <laughs> Especially not on air, right? No, that's right. <laughs> okay, so but 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 blokes have toys, and when other blokes come over to visit, what do we like to do? Play with those toys. That's of right. Course. It's like, hey, come and see my toys. Check out my toys. You know, I've got this and I've got that. Come out to my workshop and look at all the things that I am thankful for here in my way. You know, during our thankfulness segment on Faith FM in the morning, I get to talk about this and that and the other. It's human nature, isn't it? And this is exactly what Hezekiah has done. And so when somebody comes to visit and all you do is show them your toys, what is the only thing that you have given them to go home and to talk about at the end of that day? You and your toys. Self. That's right. You only have, they only get to see and to experience what you share with them. So when somebody comes to your home, what do they see? What do they experience? This is a question worth asking, isn't it? Yeah, because your home can be a powerful tool to use as a witness. 
Absolutely it can. And so, you know, in, in, in the study guide it says, um, what kind of spirit permeates our residences? Can someone smell the scent of prayer? Wow. It's an interesting thought. Can you smell the scent of prayer? Is there kindness, generosity, and love? Or is there tension, anger, resentfulness, bitterness, and discord? What is a person's impression going to be when they leave your home? What have they actually experienced in your home? Uh, the, Bible, the Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and in the new KJV, it says his own special people. In the old JKV, it says um, his own peculiar people, uh, which today, of course, means weird. No, we're not supposed to be weird, but we are supposed to be different. Uniquely different. Uniquely different. And sometimes I think that when people come to visit our homes, that rather than being uniquely different, we try to be the same. And this is what Isaiah is sorry, what Hezekiah is doing, isn't it? He's trying to be the same as the other nations. I have wealth and I have power and I have an army. Um, so he was keeping up with the Joneses. Like yeah, instead, of yeah, absolutely. Being, instead of being in harmony with God, he wanted to be in harmony with the other nations and, and keeping up with the Joneses. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that's right. All right, so let's go to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. First Peter 2 verse 9, Mon, if you could read that one for us. And uh, Kelvin, I'll get you to look up Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 6. We'll see if we can get through both of these passages before the end of our Bible study. Uh, let First me see. Peter 2 verse 9 says, let me just find it. Here we go. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Okay. As a result, you can do what? Show people God, really. Show people the goodness of God. Um, In another translation, it says, Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And this is so this is our calling right here. Our job is to declare God's goodness in all that we do, everything that we do. All right, uh, Kelvin, have you got Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, please? Verses 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, the Bible speaks in the old KJV version, which you're using there, Kelvin, um, in a number of different places about being quick. Yes, the quick and the dead. Yes, the quick and the dead. The Bible speaks about the quick and the dead. So does that mean that we have a duty as Christians to be fast about everything that we do? Well, I don't think we should be indolent. We shouldn't be slow. Okay, all right, however, we shouldn't be indolent. Yes, however... <laughs> The, the old English word quickened actually means life. That's right. To bring life. So the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. So the life of the, the, the fox. The living fox. Yeah, the living fox had the lots of fox. energy. Yep. Yes. So we should be full of energy. So full of energy and alive. The Bible says that um, um, we have been made alive through Jesus Christ. 
Now, let's think about this and let's draw a parallel between this and Hezekiah's experience. What was Hezekiah's problem? What was, what was happening to Hezekiah before Isaiah turned up? What was going to take place? I mean, he, he was going to die. die. He was going to die. Yeah. So Hezekiah was dying, right? In dying, he was dying. Dead. Y- yes, he was dying. And then Isaiah comes and God changes his mind. And then God does what for Hezekiah? Saves his life. Turns gives back him life. And the purpose for giving him life was so that he could proclaim the knowledge of God to the Babylonians. Which he failed miserably. We are all dying in we our are sins. Yep. We are Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. We, we are, are Hezekiah. all dying in our sins. Yep. God comes along. He gives us life. He saves our life. For what purpose? To give glory to him. To give glory to God. Wow. The reason that we have spiritual life and have been made alive in Jesus is so that we can give glory to God and let's all determine in our hearts to do exactly that today. This is All Sons and Daughters. Call me higher. I could just sit I could just sit and wait for all your goodness Hope to feel your presence And I could just stay I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. Mm-hmm. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the Save here in your arms and never leave home Never let these walls down But you have called me higher You have called me deeper And I'll go where you will lead me, Lord You have called me higher You have called me deeper And I'll go where you will lead me, Lord Will you
Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief in evolution? Then you need to be at the 2019 Faith and Science Conference. 13 top-level scientists and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on 1-800-324-843. Are you looking for free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church is having its winter break frog fun day again for six to nine-year-olds. What do you mean frog, Lyle? Is this a fun day for amphibians? No. Frog stands for fully relying on God. And this holiday's theme is dare to be different. Activities include songs, Bible stories, crafts and snacks. This is a one-day only special event on Wednesday, the 10th of July, starting at 9am. To register your kids, call 0411 The address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again, 04. One one triple two seven six zero. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah. 
back everybody that was uh sufjan stevens i was gonna say how do i pronounce that sufjan sufjan with come down found, found of every blessing lyle last clue for our quiz okay nobody's got that one yet no nah, it's about i've been watching the phone calls coming through i thought someone would have had it by Look, now it's monday dude we've all got monday brain uh also last clue things are about to get super duper easy final clue for the who am i right now is i am the wife of abraham who might? Who what, that could be one of four. I was going to say that doesn't really narrow it down. That could too be one much. of four. No, <laughs> in conjunction with the one who mistreated her med servant yes, Hagar, yes. who died in heaven yeah, okay. at the age of uh, 127, who lied yeah. to God, and who said, and who God told um, Abraham's other wives could have mistreated Hagar. Well, this one famously did. We don't have any record of that happening before they were married to. Clearly, we need, clearly, there's a record of it happening, Could've and this is Couture. the only one where there's a record of this person mistreating Hagar. Anyway, what have we got for question of the day today? Oh, what is that question? The one that I said to you before? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, this is an interesting one, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked it out from our collection of waiting list questions that we have. Um, so, can you tell us, Lyle, why do we take off our hats to pray? Men particularly. Why do men have to pray? Yes, because women shouldn't. Pray? Why? It's Women should leave their hats on. Men should not take Is their hats off. Is there a verse in the Bible? Their hats off. Thou shalt remove head coverings if you are male before thou prayest. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Is God chauvinistic? Uh huh. Mm. This, is, this is what it says. Let me read it to you. Uh, this is First uh, Corinthians chapter ten and uh, sorry, chapter eleven and verse four. Every man praying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. There you go. But every but. woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So there you go. There's your answer. The Bible says so. That is so weird. Why, why, why is that weird? Have you just been a Christian? What difference does point? it actually make? With <laughs> okay, okay. This is a very good question. But it's not like hair is the glory of women. Like, yeah. This is, is true. God like, oh, sorry, I couldn't hear that prayer because you had your hat on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, here's what you're going to find. There are times in the Bible where Paul speaks into a cultural context. And this is something we've been studying this past week, is that we should not ignore the culture in which we are actually operating. And Paul here is actually speaking to a cultural context because if you go to 
uh, Judah or Israel, you find the opposite. They actually put their little um, you know, little hat on top of the yeah, head right. when they pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but here Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is a Gentile church, and because it is a Gentile church, he writes to a Gentile culture. And so while in Judaism it was a sign of respect to put your hat on when you prayed, in a Gentile culture it was a sign of respect to take your hat off. And within that same culture it was a sign of respect for a woman to cover her head. And... I think I think that uh, some of these, uh, you know, it, it was a cultural thing for the Protestant Church in Corinth in a Greek culture, and it has transmitted all the way down to today. So it is still a cultural thing that you take your hat off to show as a sign of respect. And so often you'll particularly see this in the United States when they sing the national anthem, they take their hat off and they put their hand over their heart and sing the national anthem. We kind of don't do that in Australia, but in America they do. It's a sign of respect in Western culture. You know, At a funeral, when the casket is being lowered, people will take their hats off. It is a sign of respect. And so if it is a sign of respect within our culture, then it is a nice and an appropriate way of showing respect to God. And I believe that God likes it when we show respect to him. Uh, with you know, through our cultural norms and our cultural practices, and this is what Paul is saying right here. If there is a, if there is something in your culture that is good, and a way of respecting God, then use that as a way of respecting God. I mean, even old timey cowboys take their hats off when they meet the ladies. This is very true, and of course, there was a time in church when all the ladies used to look forward to Saturday or Sunday when they got to accessorize by wearing a hat. Do you like hats, Mon? Would you like to have that tradition come back? No, nah, not really. Okay, no, yeah, I would maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. yes. Actually, you know what? She was out yes. in the studio, she's nodding her, head, nodding her head, and she's like, yeah, I'd love to have a, a collection of uh, of nice hats that uh, I could use to you know, accessorize with. And so, yeah, it would add uh, a whole level of fun, but uh, yeah, that's that's why we take our hats off when we pray. It's Very interesting. It's cultural tradition from the times of Paul and Greek culture. We have a buzz in our studio that I'm about Just to fix it. as soon as this song starts. Uh, Alison Krauss with Union Station and a Living Prayer.
Welcome back, guys. That was Alison Krauss, Union Station, a living prayer here on Faith FM. And we have come to the end of our show, which means that we are about to give something away. Yes, Is that indeed. the breakfast book I see in front of I you? I let Calvin pick out the, the, the giveaway today, and he picked out the breakfast book by Sue, Sue Rad. Are you feeling hungry this morning, Calvin? I am, and I appreciate breakfast. I think it's the best meal of the day. Have you had breakfast yet? I have. Oh, okay, because I've got to say, we, we have <laughs> breakfast here in the breakfast studio because it's the breakfast show. You can How eat fitting. breakfast here. Yep. Uh, but if you've already eaten, then that's okay. I uh, Breakfast is always my favourite meal, by far, and the most important meal of the day. This is like a thick book there, Mon. It is a real chunker, and uh, it's not just recipes, breakfast recipes. It's all about the importance of breakfast, ideas about breakfast, uh, you know, the health and, and dietetics and nutrition behind it, because Sue Rad is not just a, uh, a wonderful cook. She's actually a dietitian. So this book is uh, informative and full of delicious recipes. The Breakfast Book, Start the Day Right and Enjoy Greater Health and Vitality. Discover the power of breakfast. But what I love about Sue Rad, her stuff tastes good. Oh, yeah. Sue Rad is super famous. Her. Hey, like yep, really yeah. her books get translated in all kinds of different languages. They become bestsellers right around the world. She's one of famous leading nutritionists and dietitians. So she's and TV personality. Yep. And, uh, she's on it, man. She knows what she's doing. She is. She is. Give us a call now. First person through will get a free copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. The number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Get your own copy of The Breakfast Book. Okay, and don't forget that if you'd like to know more about the Bible, you can study the Bible with us. Uh, we love to study the Bible with you, and so give us a call, and we can make that happen for you. We can study we, we can study in your home. We can study in a small group context. Uh, many different ways that you can study the Bible and learn more about Jesus Christ and His will for your life. And also don't forget, if you've got a weak signal, then jump across to faithfm.com.au and press play. You'll have a strong signal wherever you go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host Praise Father, Son, and Holy 
Yeah.